0: I want you to think for a minute. Close your eyes. Okay, if you're driving, don't actually close your eyes, but just go with me. I want you to picture in your mind a person, or persons, who most greatly impacted your life in some way. It can be a family member, a friend, or maybe even a random stranger that said something to you that one time that really completely changed the course of your life. What did that person say to you? What did it do for your confidence, your dreams, your personal drive? How did it impact you? Now, I want you to think about how maybe you are that person for someone else. And this is even my little challenge for you to go and do that for someone today. Today's guest is someone who I admire so much. She's someone whose words and actions have challenged and encouraged me And I could not be more excited for you to be impacted by her today. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who's trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Sharon Hottie Miller, author, speaker, and church planter. Last year, she and her husband, Ike, planted Bright City Church right here in my hometown of Durham, North Carolina. She's also the author of Free of Me Why Life is Better When It's Not About You, and her newly released book, Nice Why We Love to Be Liked, and How God Calls Us to More. Sharon has become one of my closest friends. So honestly, it was such a joy to have her live in the studio to talk about life and ministry and Jesus and friendship. You are going to absolutely love this conversation. So on to my conversation with Sharon. Okay, I'm so excited because I have my near and dear friend, Sharon Miller, live in the studio with me today. So thank you so much for being here, Sharon. I'm so excited. I know. It's always so much more fun when we actually are live together. Mm -hmm. And it's also more fun when I have somebody who is a friend in the studio. So it just feels like we're, I told her before we started recording, I was like, just imagine we're sitting down at Uncle Julio's eating chips and guac, and we just have microphones in front of us. Sounds good to me. Except we don't actually have chips and guac, which we should have. I wish
1: we did. I wish we had those margaritas, (laughs) to be honest.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And also, I will just go ahead and call this out. There is like a massive rainstorm happening right now. Like the skies have opened opened up so if you hear that that's just what that is we're just there's no amount of like egg cartons on the wall that are going to I hope it'll just be soothing it like, will it'll be. be soothing to people <laughs>
1: yes. or like a noise machine yeah I just Relax. I know. Just
0: breathe. Yeah. <laughs> we can all just like we can have a moment of meditation. Uh-huh. It'll, be, it'll be wonderful. Yeah. Um. Well, there's obviously so much I could talk to you about because you're my friend, and so um, which I was thinking about it the other day because I was telling my husband that you were going to be here in the studio, and he was like, "When did you guys become friends?" And I was like, um, I guess like last year sometime, and it was like we both followed each other on Instagram, mm-hmm. and then re- realized that we live like a neighborhood away, mm-hmm. and then we were like, we should hang out. <laughs> And then it just kind of went from there.
1: I know. I'm trying to think how we got Mexican. Like, Mexican is... Kind of been like a running theme in our it relationships is. It really which is,
0: is a really great starting point. I feel like all it the is.
1: all the best relationships have started there. Yeah,
0: we yeah we had lunch at Los Trace This so, is before Uncle Julio's was open. Yeah, so. and I feel like
1: I just knew I could tell from Instagram that you were funny, and I think I told you this early on. I really <laughs> appreciate funny women. Like I I collect them. Like Are as soon collect- as I like as soon as I meet a funny woman, I'm like, you're gonna be my friend now. <laughs> So as soon as I like pick that up from you, I was like, yep.
0: You collect them like, but I'll be more valuable than a beanie baby in like 20 years. Exactly,
1: exactly.
0: Okay. So yeah, so we've been friends for a little over a year now and I just, I just adore you. I look up to you so much and um, there's so much that I learn from you as a friend and um, other women I know learn from you and you just inspire so many people. So I'm excited to introduce you to the Business with Purpose podcast audience in case they don't know you. Um, And so if they do not know you, let's give us the Sharon 101. So who are you? What do you do? Where did you come from? (laughs) And all of that.
1: Emerged from the waves. Yes. Uh, Goodness, where to start? I'm originally from Charlotte, but I've lived in Durham. I realize this. I've lived in Durham on and off for close to 20 years. Isn't that crazy? So I consider Raleigh Durham my home. I went to Duke undergrad, Duke Div school. I'll forgive you so, for that. It's cool. I know, we can I still know, be friends. I this, know. that
0: really shows the gospel is like is <laughs> we are one in Christ. We are one in Christ. Blood. Even though when we play basketball together, we yeah. are, it's we just don't talk that night. We and that's can't, okay. We
1: can't. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. That's you know, just living in this area is like that. I know, yeah. So no, I fun. actually I preached at a church yesterday and I was in the pastor's kind of the room adjacent to his office and he's a huge Carolina fan and I was sitting like on a pillow that said God bless Carolina boys or something like that and the room was Carolina blue and I was just like why God So anyway uh, yeah so I went to Duke Duke Div school Uh, I've got three kids two boys and a girl six four and one and they're the best and you have met them (laughs) they're also crazy but I love them. And then my husband and I, we lead Bright City Church together, which I guess around the time this airs, it'll actually be near the one year mark since we launched. So we meet in a movie theater and it's bonkers, but it's also super fun. (laughs) Yeah. And so we do that, and then I am a writer and a speaker, mm-hmm. and our lives are crazy,
0: yeah. but they're and, cool. and you have a PhD, so you're also like a doctor. I really should just call you Dr. Miller every yes. time I see you. I will only respond to you if you <laughs> call me Dr. Miller. <laughs> every Moore. time I text mm-hmm. you, I'll just be like, hello, Dr. Miller? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you are just, you have so much background in uh, the area of ministry and you have your doctorate is in what specifically? So the
1: the field is educational studies, which okay. is kind of like a hybrid of sociology and psychology and theology, all the ologies. Yeah. And my specific topic is, have I talked to you about this before? Yes, so, so my yeah. specific topic is on why evangelical women go to seminary. Mm-hmm. And so I sat down with women across the country who are in seminary, and I asked them basically to tell their stories. And I was looking for what empowered women to go to seminary when so few do. And, and kind of the question behind the question is, how are we cultivating the gifts of women in the church? And that's a big, big passion of mine. Yeah.
0: Well, it's so funny that you mentioned that because – it was actually one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about because it's it's something that I have become passionate about in the mm-hmm. past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, because I still, even though I, I mean, I I became a Christian in 2010, so like nine years, but I still I'm very much a baby Christian um, in, in the grand scheme of things. But um, that's one of the things that I have loved learning from you so much is is the gifts of is how you empower the gifts of women at, through ministry and. When you told me about what you did your dissertation on, where you interviewed all these women and why they went to ministry, and I was just fascinated by that. And so I wanted to kind of get from you and have you kind of share, where did that stem from? Like, why, at what point kind of in your in your Christian journey, in your educational journey, did you think, like, this is something I really think that more people need to be talking about? Mm-hmm. And, and what made you want to research it? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of different factors that played into it. I think just personally, I went to seminary after I worked for Proverbs 31 Ministries. And I was Lisa Turker's intern during that time and just learned a lot about women's ministry. But I also realized that Lisa, her so much of her platform at that time was very story-driven. And that was true for a lot of women in ministry at the time. My story, my story is very straightforward. Like I didn't have a really compelling testimony where I thought I can, I can build a platform on this or mm-hmm. I, I can have authority based on what I have lived through. And I was looking around at other women and thinking, okay, well, if this is kind of women are getting their authority from their story and I don't have a good story. Where does that leave me? And so I realized I kind of looked around at men and I thought, well, men don't need a story <laughs> to have authority. Like they just go to school. They they just learn theology. And so I, I thought, well, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go to school and know the Bible and that is gonna be my my training for ministry. And so that's what I did. And so that was my initial just realizing that for me personally it was really important to get training, to get formal training. And then I did go to seminary, and at Duke Div specifically, the the gender breakdown was actually pretty even. Uh, I never felt like I was in the minority or anything. I was never really questioned for being there. But then when I got my Ph.D., I went up to Chicago. I was at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School where there are far fewer women. And when I was talking to the women there, I was realizing that their experience was just very different from what mine had been at Duke. And that tends to be the case in, in any field where women are in a minority. It's just there's a lot of really complex dynamics there. And so I was hearing their experience was different and was really curious about that and wanted to explore, you know, why are there so few evangelical women here but then I thought, you know, I could do kind of a an exposé on why so few women go and and nationally only about 30% of seminary students are women or I should say MDiv students, women getting that intentional ministry degree. And so I was really really curious about this, but then I thought, well, you know, I could I could do like a quote-unquote exposé but what I would rather do is is do what's called an appreciative inquiry, where you look at the women who are already there, what worked for them, what empowered them mm-hmm. when so few of their peers are taking that step. And a lot of similar research has been done for women in STEM fields, looking at women in science and math, you know, what was in place for them when so few women take this this route. Yeah. And so that's what I did is I, I went and was looking for what worked in the lives of these women because it is important, you know, not, not every woman has a, a story, you mm-hmm. know, that is going to be her platform, but nor should it, you know, yeah. what, what we also need are, are women who are getting formal training, yeah. you know, like any other field, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. if this is your passion and this is your call and this is your gifting, then you should be a good steward of it. Yeah. And so I wanted to figure out, okay, well, if if what is happening in these women's lives that that encourage them to step out and then the next question is how can we replicate that so yeah. we can encourage more women? So all of that was kind of the backdrop of, of why I chose that project.
0: What was did you find like one kind of like running thread through all mm-hmm. of those things? and what was that?
1: Yeah, I did. There were there were a number of different things and what is beautiful is I I, My precedent literature, for anyone who's in academia, you have to have precedent literature. And I relied a lot on research in STEM fields. Mm -hmm. And it was really consistent here, but they all could name somebody who named their gifts who mm. identified their calling who said I see this in you or have you considered seminary or have you considered ministry and it ranged all over from pastors to parents to grandparents to friends to one story that I really love this this woman said that she was I think she was at a Bible college and she after class her New Testament professor or something had, had asked her to stay after class and he for just probably a couple minutes he said have you ever thought about going to seminary after this and and she said no why and he said well you just have such a gift for understanding scripture Mm. and i i really think that you should keep going in school and so that took you know two minutes of this man's life but it literally changed her entire trajectory Mm. it changed her life and so you could see just this power of speaking somebody's gifts over them, speaking their calling is life transforming. And so and I saw that again and again and again in the people I spoke with. And that really, that has changed me in a lot of ways just now whenever I see any gift in a person and it doesn't have to be a gift, you know, like speaking or teaching or preaching. It could just be you have a gift of encouragement you have a gift of mercy you have a gift of hospitality but if i as soon as i see that gift i speak it to them because i realize that that is how god calls people it's it's also how he guides them and and shows them this is the spot that i created you for yeah and we play a role in that and it doesn't matter if you are a person on stage it doesn't matter if you are in a, a place of visible leadership your words have power mm-hmm. to create leaders, to create calling, and we know this because we're made in the image of a God who spoke creation into mm-hmm. existence. Our words have power, and so I don't take that lightly anymore. I take it really, really seriously.
0: That is so good, and I. It's funny that you say that whole. I, I did not know. I knew the part about like how you, you about people uh, having somebody in their life that spoke over them, um, but I did not know that a lot of your story was that you you felt like you didn't have a story. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny that you say that because I think it was like maybe last night or the night before I was watching a clip from a sermon that Jackie Hill Perry gave like within the last couple of months and she was talking about how she hears from people all the time that they're like, well, I don't have a story as crazy as yours. Um, and she talked about how she was like, but here's the thing is like, we all have a story and we were once dead and like, we are now alive. And how do you frame that? And I just, I've never thought about it like that before. And just the way that she worded it. And I just, it, it's been kind of spinning in my mind. And then it's just interesting that you just mm-hmm. share that because, now I'm like I'm like oh man man there's something to that that's mm-hmm. <laughs> so good yeah. that's so good um okay so another big part of you obviously you you alluded to this a little bit at the beginning but you are an author mm-hmm. and um I read your book last summer um I binged it while I was in the mountains and I kept texting you during mm-hmm. it because I was literally like having uh, I was having a lot of emotions while I was reading, um, your first book free of me. Um, and it was just, it's one of the books that I legitimately recommend to everybody because it is such, it was a life-changing book for me. And I'm not just saying that because you're my friend. I mean, it really is. It was a life-changing book for me. It completely reframed the way that I kind of see myself as I, um, walk in this whatever crazy path (laughs) that I feel like God has for me. Um, And just we live in this culture that is inundated with self-help and uh, wanting to, like, you know, pick yourself up by our own bootstraps and, like, you can do anything you set your mind to. And, like, while those messages are – fine and dandy um, and they have a place and a time, I think sometimes they can actually be really damaging. Um, And for me, as I walked out a lot of personal pain last year, there were times where I was like, I literally cannot do this on my own. And to be able to give, get that kind of freedom message of like, oh, wait, but I don't have to because God is able to carry it on his shoulders. Like, I don't – sometimes there are things that got like – what's that – Silly catchphrase. It's like God will never give you anything like more than you can handle, and I'm like, no, that is like, no, like most of life is more than I can handle. <laughs> more so, most of life is more than I can handle, yep. right? Uh-huh. And it's like, no, no, no. Like God will never give you anything more than He can handle, mm-hmm. and that that was yes. what that book really just taught me. Oh and, man! And so I'm so excited mm-hmm. for your new book, which mm-hmm. is out uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, this airs the day after uh, your book comes out, and it's called Nice. And mm-hmm. I don't want to mess up the subtitle i kind of know it but mm-hmm. tell me again what the subtitle is the subtitle is why we love to be liked and how god mm. calls us to more i'm taking a quick break from my chat with sharon to share with you something i am so excited about and that is the launch of the fall collection with seiko designs if you are not familiar with seiko seiko is a socially conscious fashion brand that is working to empower women and girls all around the globe This fall collection is literally incredible. You are going to be inspired by the richness of the season's colors like pebbled amore and oiled olive. Let the fall collection not only be a celebration of travel, but also of the journey within. My favorite pieces are the multi-way shawl in Leo, the how it's made matters tee, and the caftan in Chianti. These are going to be on repeat this whole season. Oh, and not to mention the multi-way tunic sweater in black that can be literally worn five different ways. Versatility is my love language. To shop this incredible collection, go to segodesigns.com slash Stillman. That's S-S-E-K-O dot com slash Now back to my chat with Sharon. So tell us about it because mm-hmm. um, I know that you, you've shared... I, we became friends while you were still writing it, mm-hmm. um, and, and I remember that you said that you started it off very differently and had to kind of mm-hmm. re-f- reframe it, rework it. So mm-hmm. tell us about the book and everything, kind of where it stemmed from. And- yeah,
1: so it's, it's a really great follow-up to Free of Me, and just a side note real quick, I just – Put, connected the dots a little bit but I've heard from so many people who have been reading free of me while they're grieving mm-hmm. and have contacted me saying that it was helpful to them
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was shocked because you know that book is not about grief.
0: No, it's not and at all.
1: I I have heard from so many people saying this helped me to grieve this, this helped me to grieve that and only just now the way you worded it helped me to understand why it has been so helpful. Mm. That is really encouraging. Oh. So, uh, yeah, so in the very first chapter of Free of Me, there's just a paragraph where I was talking about growing up as this nice Christian girl. And, Realizing that I was this nice Christian girl because it was really, really rewarding to be so. Mm. And I, you know, my parents liked that. My teachers liked that. You know, it was just it earned the affirmation and praise of, you know, everyone in my life. And so I... The, the line got really blurry for me of why am I living this way? Is it because I want to honor Jesus or is it because it gets me things? And the answer is probably a little bit of both. But I I just had like a paragraph of that in Free of Me. But I continued to, that idea continued to haunt me a little bit because I realized that 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 girl was not in my past. It, it's still a big part of who I am. And I noticed it creeping up now as I am in ministry whenever I was feeling a Holy Spirit prompting to write about something that was harder or maybe controversial. And a part of me would feel reluctant and think, you know, this is outside of the box that I am have typically existed in because there is a nice Christian girl image for women in ministry that is also very rewarding. Yeah. <laughs> um, people love it when you are inspiring and they love it when you are encouraging and they love it when you just talk about, um, you know, spiritual things that are related kind of to their personal private life. But when you start engaging complicated things, controversial things that Jesus does speak about, that the Bible is applicable to, uh, that's when people don't like that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's, and so I, and I knew that. And so that, that really, I guess, kicked up a lot of questions for me of why am I doing this? Am, am I a servant to this this image that is really rewarding and will take me places? Or am I a servant to Christ? And at the intersection of that was this nice girl image. And so I, I was really just wrestling with that in myself. And I thought, you know what, I'm not done with this yet. And so that was the, really the birth of the book is looking at this this nice Christianity that looks so much like the real thing but is motivated by something completely different Mm. and when we because this book is not just about the the desire to belong it is about this desire to be liked but it's also examining we don't just want to belong; we want to belong we want to be liked because it is beneficial to us to to do so and so i was looking at this this false faith that we ascribe to and jesus he uses this language of of knowing a tree by its fruits Mm. and if it looks really similar at first glance if if we look you know kind and we look joyful and all these things but let's look at the fruits here so we can can diagnose it and the And so the first half of the book is looking at what are the bad fruits of niceness so Mm. we can know the tree. And so I look at fruits like inauthenticity, how when we are nice instead of honest, you know, nice instead of truthful. I look at bad fruits of cowardice, Mm. you know, how we are nice instead of bold, how we are nice instead of, you know, saying things that that Jesus calls us to say that people don't always like, um, how it bears fruits of self-righteousness. That was another, because I was such a nice girl, I ended up also being really judgmental towards people that didn't fall in line with my image of niceness. I looked at the false fruit of corruption. Mm. And that's a a really interesting one, because I think we, in addition to being nice, we also reward other people who are nice to us. And so if someone – we know some stuff about people that, you know, is maybe a little, like, unsavory, but because they're nice to us, we kind of just, you know, scooch it aside. And how that has – that is extremely problematic in terms of how we're loving our neighbors because if we are – excusing bad behavior especially in leaders because they're nice to us then all the people that they are affecting though we're not loving them well yeah and so there's there's so many ways that this this niceness is a false virtue in our culture and a false idol in the church and I think it's time to name it
0: oh man that's so good (laughs) I oh it's so good it's so good um, I cannot wait to read it. Uh, we are obviously recording this in advance. And so um, I don't have a copy yet, but I can't like I know that I will be binging it as soon as it comes out. Um, and I just oh, man, there's so much I want to. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I just while you were talking and and some of the things that I know that you've shared is it is how women, especially we are. And I mean, I, I realize that this is just kind of this is how God created us. Um, but there have there, there are also some kind of systems in place and mm-hmm. the like let's talk about the patriarchy. No, but but I mean there are systems in place that have kind of placed this This whole notion on women that we have to be kind of passive and we have to be, um, you know, just even keel. And if we do speak up about something that God calls us to speak up about, if we do stand up for um, things like racism and sexism, um, then we get called angry. We get called nags, bitter, uh, you know, just we get called all kinds of terrible names, uh, the B word, whatever it is like. You know, I mean, politics aside, but like we this is not a Republican or Democrat thing, but like we just watched how the, the country treated Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. during the campaign and things that that she said that a man would have said nobody would have ever said anything about mm-hmm. the, you know, her. Mm-hmm the the attitude mm-hmm. behind it. Yeah. You know what I'm
1: saying? Well, even like another kind of closer to home example <laughs> is and I think this was another really eye-opening moment for me was just watching Beth Moore. Yes. And yes. you know Beth Moore, I think for so long people had her in this very particular box where mm-hmm. she is teaching the Bible and she's such a gifted teacher and so I mean, that woman knows the Bible. Yes. And that woman knows Jesus. And she loves Jesus. And at the end of the day, it is all about him from mm-hmm. first to last for her. And we all know that about her. Yeah. And because of that, it, you know, it has led her to speak out against things like sexual harassment, you know, like yeah. things that it should be a no-brainer. Right. You know? Uh, speaking out against racism, things like that. And I've been really amazed at just a lot of the pushback that she received for Mm -hmm. for speaking that I think for her, she was thinking, this is not about what's going on in the political realm. This is not, you know, I'm not trying to speak about those things. I'm just trying to speak out about what God speaks about. Like, what is his heart, you know? And it, it was for her just a very natural overflow of her Loving Jesus and wanting yeah. to serve Him and everything, and how people accused her of distracting from the gospel. People would, man, the the one word that I've been has been leveled at me is is people saying I'm disappointed in you, mm. and that's that's a real like zinger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like when your parents
0: um, are like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Yeah, and it's that's like, like oh, it's almost the, worse. It's the worst. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, but I was so just shocked. But I realized it's because that that nice Christian woman image, that's what we want. Right. We don't want it to be super duper complicated. But that image runs headlong up against the full witness of scripture. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really problematic. And And that's not to say, I mean and I say this multiple times throughout the book, is this is not license to just be angry. Right. This is not license for name-calling. This is not license for self-righteousness because there's two types of self-righteousness. There's, you know, there's there they it can or not two. there's like a million actually yeah. <laughs> yeah. um but uh it's it's not licensed for getting up on your own high horse and judging right. other people like we are still called to kindness we are still called to humility we are still called to you know every time jesus rebuked to the pharisees you know he knew i'm going to lay myself down for these people right. and we're called for the same and that should instill us with just so much sobering humility that we should never be Pointing down at people, mm-hmm. you know, we should be just as willing to leverage everything out of love for them. But yeah, I, I just like lost my train of thought too. No, it's okay. Where was I going with that? <laughs> 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 I like got so worked out talking about like loving people, but oh, so we still should be kind. Yeah. We still should be kind. But we see in especially the Old Testament witness of the prophets mm. and how what made a prophet a prophet was not that he could see the future. Like, I think that's what we think prophecy is, is yeah. that you're you're predicting the future. But what we see the prophets do in the Old Testament is that God gives them a, a message of correction. Right. Is really what it is, is God says to, to each of these prophets, my people have gone off the rails in some way. Right. They are not loving me. They are not loving their neighbor and I want you to go, and I want you to correct them. Yeah. And that is really the work of a prophet. And so, and it's hard work. <laughs> yeah, There's a story in Ezekiel where God tells Ezekiel, he says, I'm going to send you to my people. They are not going to listen to you. Right. But I'm going to send you anyway. Right. And so it, it's, it's not for the people pleasers. Prophetic work is not for the people pleasers. But every single person who considers themselves a follower of jesus that is a part of the witness that we inherit and that we're called to live and what is also really important about the prophets is they are sent to their people they're sent to their people and i think that a lot of times we whenever we think i'm being like a prophet what all we're doing is preaching to the choir yeah we're just we are saying we are reinforcing to our people what they already believe the people we are correcting are the others the Mm -hmm. outsiders and and god saying no no go to those people who listen to you go to those people who agree with you go to those people who you are an authority to them and those are the ones that i'm going to call you to correct yeah and if you're speaking to anyone outside of that then that is not prophetic work you're just preaching to the choir
0: right exactly and i i think that's one of those things that uh, you know i I run that idea in my head a lot of just like how am i you know being a good friend to somebody by if i see them not in a judgy way but not not doing something that i know is maybe harmful to them or somebody else and just as a friend saying hey Mm -hmm. you know kind of calling it out and not Mm -hmm. being a jerk about it and Mm -hmm. and not being Mm self-righteous but just sometimes like i need my friends to call me on my stuff Mm -hmm. or i need to call them on their stuff Mm -hmm. like that's what that's what friends do, and that's mm-hmm. why God put us in community with mm-hmm. each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that that prophetic work. You know what I was just saying is definitely on this scale of like big picture. Yeah, but this this plays out just like you said in our relationships yeah, as well. Absolutely. And one thing in one of the chapters I talk about American Idol and how <laughs> you have early on these people that get on there and they think I'm so good because, mm-hmm. you know, their 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 close people didn't tell them. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're watching them on TV and you're thinking, how did you get this far? Like everybody in your life lied to you. Right. And that's a very low stakes example, too, of how our niceness ends up being unloving to people because yeah. instead of being truthful to them, we just tell them what they want to hear.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and, and I, I love that that you kind of are, are making the distinction between like there is a big difference between being nice and being kind. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and actually, every single night when I put my kids to bed, no matter the day that we've had and on days that I really just want them to go to sleep mm-hmm. um, and days that I feel like I have completely, you know, blown it as a mom um, and days that I just feel like I'm at the end of my rope mm-hmm. or days that we've had a great day, I look them in the eye individually and I I speak affirmations over them of things Mm -hmm. like you are you are generous you're thoughtful Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I always say you are kind Mm -hmm. Um, I never say you're nice (laughs) Um, and I'm really intentional about Mm -hmm. that and we talk a lot about what does it look like to be kind Mm -hmm. versus being yes
1: there was a great book that was really helpful to me on this called love kindness by I think his name is Barry Corey I think he is maybe president of a seminary somewhere, but he draws this distinction between niceness and kindness. And I hope I get this right. But he says that, that kindness has soft edges, but a firm center. Mm. Niceness has soft edges and a soft center. Mm. And so they both feel warm. They both feel welcoming, but, Basically, the difference is one has conviction and one yeah. doesn't. One has a spine and one does not. Because sometimes being kind is actually really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And we do it anyway because Jesus did it first, right. you know. But you you have to have that that conviction. I think niceness without that, that conviction will either continue to just appease, 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 go along with it, even when it's actually unloving and unkind yeah. to do so, or that niceness will shatter and be replaced by cynicism and disillusionment. Yeah. So having that that firm core is essential to being a kind person.
0: Oh, man, that is so good. And it's a message that I think we need right now. Mm-hmm. It's a message that is timely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad that you... Took that little paragraph mm-hmm. from "Free of Me," yeah, and you, yeah, and and you well, didn't let it go. And
1: it's it's such an interesting. I was thinking about this because in a lot of ways our culture is so divided right now, mm-hmm. and you get on social media and it's so ugly. And I thought, you know. I wonder if people will think, is this really the message where you're going after niceness when it really seems like we could use more niceness? But what we need is not superficial niceness. What we need is people who are kind out of conviction. They are loving out of conviction. And I think the difference, another difference between the two is the difference between just sentiment and sacrifice. Like, am I willing to lay myself down for what I'm saying? Am I willing to lay myself down for these people mm-hmm. that I disagree with? Because yeah. Jesus did. Yeah, That's a, a really big difference. And niceness is really more about just kind of sentiment, sentimentality.
0: Yeah. And there's also, I think we've, I, I say this a lot and I feel like, and I, I did certainly did not invent it, but I we've lost the ability I feel like in a lot of areas to just disagree, right? Like, I feel like we've, we've lost this, um, this sense of how to respect and disagree Mm -hmm. kindly Mm -hmm. with other people who Mm -hmm. might not exhibit the same, Mm -hmm. you know, opinion about something or, 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 have the same opinion about something or, um, want to you know whatever it is whatever like literally name any topic and Mm -hmm. you can find some opinion somewhere on the internet to support it Mm -hmm. um there's like you know like flat earthers like there's Mm -hmm. like people who like will like go to their grave saying that the earth is flat like and it's they will find anything Mm -hmm. that they want to back up that opinion I don't know where I was going with that exactly but but, um but really it, it in but I talk to my kids all the time, and, and and John and I have this this conversation all the time about, like, how do we, as Christians, like, God calls us. Like, Jesus, there were people that he was around that he disagreed with or mm-hmm. that disagreed with him, mm-hmm. and yet he was magnetic, and people wanted to be around him, and people left his presence changed. Mm-hmm. And so how do we as his disciples at as his, as his followers as people who believe in what in the life that he lived and and what he came, what he stood for how do we carry that on mm-hmm. and be able to disagree with people and yet create an opportunity for for somebody who disagrees with us to say there's something about that person that's mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. what is it and mm-hmm. And to be for the answer to be, well, it's Jesus. yeah, but that sounds very like pretty and cliche and all yeah. that thing, but it's but it's not when we really get down to the heart of it.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, kind of like what I said earlier, Jesus, the same people he rebuked, he died for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that there's a special kind of authority that comes from, I disagree with you right now, but I hope for you. Yeah. You know, I, I'm disagreeing with you right now not to win, yeah. not to make a point, not to dis- to tear you down or destroy yeah. you. And I feel like so much of the disagreement we see, especially on social media, is that it's just scoring points. It's it's basically, I would like to destroy you. And I think we see some of that when whenever someone does apologize mm-hmm. and then it's not enough, you yeah. know, it's, it, because at the end of the day, that's not what you wanted. So I think of Jonah yeah. And he goes and he tells the people to repent, and then they do, and he's disappointed. Yeah. And I think how many of us are like that, are yeah. like Jonah, where we don't actually want you to change; we want to tear you down. Mm. But Jesus wasn't like that. He really hoped for you. He really, if he said a hard thing, it's because he was concerned, actually concerned for their souls. Yeah, you. He, he's saying to them, "You weren't created for this. Right. You're created for more. I want." more for you than this. And if we're not speaking from that place, people know it. Mm -hmm. And you can say all the live long day, I'm showing tough love, but people know it. They see right through it. If you don't actually love them, people can sense it.
0: Yeah. And there's deep seated, like if we really peel back the layers and the more that I think about it as we talk, like deep seated underneath all of it is envy and jealousy. Mm -hmm. Um, And and how that is like the root of so much just dis- like disagreement and 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 hurt and pain and broken relationships like when we peel back the layers like it's envy um our pastor actually did a sermon on this recently on on envy and um he talked about how like envy is actually what put like Jesus on the cross. Like there's literally a scripture in Mark where it's like he knew that the envy is like what sent him to like the chief mm-hmm. priest envy of him. And yeah. I was like, Oh man, I've never thought about that. And then he talks about how like envy at its root is um, like being envious of, of God's goodness in somebody else's life it blinds us from seeing God's goodness in our own life. Mm. And I was like, man, that's so good. Cause I think about like really when we when we're just being kind of fake nice, and we don't actually want to see what's good for somebody, we don't actually want to see um, you know kindness to somebody who is hard to be kind to. Um, at the root of it is like is envy and jealousy mm-hmm. and just bitterness. Yeah, and how,
1: something good happening to them feels like
0: taking away from us. Right, mm-hmm. right, when when that's not mm-hmm. who God is. God, God is a God of abundance, and mm-hmm. he's not a God of scarcity. And so yeah. that's like having that scarcity mindset deep down inside is just, oh, man. Okay, clearly I could talk about this all day. This is so good. <laughs> um, yeah, but so the, the book – came out yesterday so i'm gonna like shamelessly say you have to go buy it right now so like go on amazon or wherever books are sold and uh get yourself some nice mm-hmm. uh by sharon miller um <laughs> go buy it right now um get it amazon prime to your doorstep um <laughs> i already pre-ordered mine i actually pre-ordered it like you pre-ordered it before I even like knew it was on Amazon. I think. <laughs> yeah. You were like, "I just pre-ordered your book,"
1: and I was like, "Oh, it's
0: up!" You were like, "Oh, it's up!" I was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, that's what friends do—is they pre-order Aww. your books." Um, so I, gosh, I'm just so so excited for it, and so excited for you. Um, and like I said, this is a message that is so needed right now. So so needed right now. Um, okay, there are obviously like nine more things I want to talk to you about, but I do want to just quickly um, talk about. So you and your husband just about a year ago planted a church. here here in the Raleigh-Durham area. Um, And I know that this is something that was a huge undertaking and was not something that you had even initially, like this was never on your radar. Nope,
1: nope,
0: nope. Um and so I just would you just kind of briefly share the heart of Bright City and so if you are in the Raleigh Durham area if you're in Central North Carolina you can actually also listen to their sermons on iTunes I listen to the sermons every week on Aww. iTunes and um and I, I just I just love 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 what you and your husband Ike are doing um but just would you share a little bit about the heart of Bright City and yeah. why you guys decided to oh plant a church goodness. here in South Point
1: yeah so we 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 swore we would never plant a church <laughs> we knew other people who had done it and we knew how hard it was and we were like, nope. (laughs) Nope, nope, we're (laughs) good. That's nice for them and we just thought we don't have the personalities for it but then it's been close to two years ago now that my husband in the middle of the night basically got this vision from God. And we are not those people that are kind of like, and then I got a vision from God or then God told me (laughs) that is not like in our whole marriage that has never happened. And so when he, and in in it, he felt like God was saying, I want you to plant a church in South point in Mm -hmm. the movie theater and which is very specific. And yeah, so just a little. We he came to me, he didn't tell me at first cuz he wanted to just pretend it had not happened. But he eventually told me and I was really I paid attention to it because it was so unlike him mm. for that to happen. And so we just prayed and said, okay, God, if this is what you want, send us confirmation. But he continued, my husband continued to just say, nope, you know, we're not actually doing that. And, yeah. and God was like, mm, yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. And so he kept confirming it, kept confirming it to the point where we just felt, okay, you know, we are we would be disobedient at this yeah. point. And so we said yes. Yes. And then he drove straight to South Point AMC and said, you know, we knew there wasn't a church meeting there. And he said, you know, would you all be open to us meeting there? And they said no. And they said that the mall wouldn't allow it. But uh, months later we found out basically the general manager had been given bad information. And through, long story short, we got a yes about Mm. six weeks before the church launched. And so it was really crazy being there and knowing that this was a, God dream like he he gave us the vision for it and then he accomplished it yeah and so that has been just crazy and really faith growing and so we uh share the preaching which has been super duper fun but we we really are just trying to help people take their next step towards Christ whatever that is you know whether or not they're just scoping it out and we have a lot of people who are wouldn't consider themselves Christian. Who might consider themselves atheists. Who are just scoping it out. We have people that have been Christians their whole lives who are still just learning the Bible. Uh, they're just really everyone on the spectrum. We are asking them, "What is the next step for you towards Christ?" Because mm-hmm. the one thing that that Ike and I are sure about is we we don't care about ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we we can offer ourselves as great leaders, but we know we make mistakes, we fail, but the the one who never makes a mistake, the one who never fails, the one that we can commend people to without, you know, qualification or, you know, concern that they'll find out something secret (laughs) is Jesus. There's no, there's nothing that he's hiding. He will never let them down. Mm -hmm. And so we love just, just, you know, handing people to Jesus and, yeah. and saying, just look at him, just get to know him, just pursue him because he will, he'll never, he'll never let you down. Ever. So that, that has been really wonderful and fun and Uh, I also really love teaching the Bible. I just love it. And you're
0: so good at it. Oh, thanks. I'm speaking that gift over you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's just uh, I've been surprised even though we're in the Bible Belt, there's so many people. and, And we hear this a lot from lifelong Christians who say, I feel embarrassed how much I don't know about the Bible Mm. and I think it makes people feel ashamed but they shouldn't because that it's actually really I think that's what happens when Christianity becomes a culture is you you get further and further away from the actual real thing it's just kind of in the air but you're not actually just being discipled to Jesus yeah and so I really love teaching the Bible because for a lot of people The stories they're hearing, they're hearing for the first time, even here in in the Bible Belt. And it feels like such a privilege to stand on stage and to to offer the word of God to them and to say or to kind of think in my heart, you don't even know this yet. This is going to change your life. Yeah. And to do that week after week is just the best. Oh, it's it's so awesome. I love it so much. So we love our church. Oh, man. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. That's
0: so, so awesome. So if you're in the Raleigh-Durham area and you're looking for a church home, you should come check out Bright City mm-hmm. Church. You guys meet at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. at the AMC South Point mm-hmm. Movie Theater mm-hmm. and listen to Sharon's preaching. She's amazing. Ike is also awesome, mm-hmm. but Sharon's, Sharon's here on the podcast. So I'm going <laughs> to talk about how awesome she is. Um, well, I'm just so grateful for you, friend. Um, but before we go, this is my favorite part of the show where we get to transition just a little bit and ask just kind of some fun, lighthearted. Mm-hmm. I'd get to know okay. you questions. Okay. And as the listeners know, this is also the portion of the show where my executive producer husband inserts a like movie clip or sound effect or mm-hmm. something to transition us. We never know what it's going to be. It's a surprise every week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sharon, are you ready? I'm ready. Why don't they have salsa on the table? What do you need salsa for?
1: <laughs> salsa is now the number one condiment in
0: America. Do you know why? Because people like to say Salsa. <laughs> Excuse me, do you have any salsa? We need more salsa. Where is the salsa? No salsa. It must be impossible for a Spanish person to order salsa and not get salsa. I wanted salsa, not salsa. Don't
1: you know the difference between salsa and salsa? You have the salsa after the salsa.
0: Okay, the first question is, what is something I would never guess about you? The nice Christian girl <laughs> who, is in, who went to seminary is a doctor, oh, Dr. Man. Miller. I'm
1: trying to think like how much I want to share. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, okay. This is like a weird thing. Okay. Okay. I'm here for it. Have you ever heard of ASMR? No. Okay. What is that? I can't remember what it stands for, but... Basically, I don't even I think I heard about it first when they did an episode about it on This American Life. But there are some people that are
0: autonomous sensory meridian response. That's yes. what it stands uh-huh. for. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, it some people are basically their brains are kind of triggered by in a good way by certain sounds like Someone speaking softly, someone, like, mm. turning pages, like, rustling paper, things like that. And it's, like, in your brain, it it just soothes you and calms you. And it produces these really um, just relaxing feelings in your body. And I had always noticed this about myself. Like, I loved as a kid – when I was in elementary school, our librarian's voice, I would—I mm-hmm. could just listen to her voice all day. And if we were sitting there listening to the librarian speak, I would almost just fall asleep just sitting there because it was so relaxing to me. And there was certain speakers on NPR that would always just make me feel relaxed. Or if I was watching a YouTube video about, I don't know, makeup tutorials or something like the just the sound of the makeup brushes and stuff yeah. like that. And it would just I would listen to it sometimes. and It would just relax me. And I never, I never gave it any thought until I listened to this, this American Life. And there is a whole YouTube world devoted to this where there are ASMR, ASM artists is what they're called. And they will make videos of this is me just reading uh, the phone book or, or something like that and speaking in a gentle voice or just turning pages. Um, click, uh, tapping on um, a computer, things like that, and they have
0: millions of subscribers. This is crazy. I did not know this. And so this is amazing. I will
1: sometimes listen. I'll just go on YouTube and I'll listen, and it'll just make me go to sleep. Like I'll listen to it before I go to sleep. That is amazing. Isn't that interesting? But that my really husband thinks it's
0: so weird. No, I think that is fascinating. But I'm
1: like, it is weird, but it's not creepy. No, it's not so creepy. It's just a little bit weird, but
0: no, it's not creepy. Yeah.
1: So I have ASMR.
0: That is so cool. Mm-hmm.
1: That is that is a great answer. And for I that. bet you, I bet you, you're gonna have <laughs> listeners. They're gonna be like,
0: "That is what it is. That's is what I have." I bet you. I bet you. <laughs> okay, I love that. Um, what is your guilty pleasure? Hmm. Watching YouTube makeup tutorials. Probably. So <laughs> yeah.
1: Probably. Uh, I mean, I really love. This is a, this is not a good guilty pleasure. Like, there's no guilt about it really but my one of my favorite Netflix shows that I watch again and again and again I wish it was not a Netflix show but it's on Netflix I wish I could say it was something really high minded (laughs) but is Heart of Dixie
0: oh my gosh I love Heart (laughs) of Dixie
1: Oh my gosh, that so is that is totally I, a guilty pleasure. Uh, I first started watching it when we lived in Chicago, and it made me miss home so much. Like it made me feel closer to home because it was Chicago is so cold and dark, and that whole the show is shot in such warm light. It's so good. And It's so southern. It's um, it's like fake southern, but you know, it's very southern, and it would make me feel. It just made me feel close to home and so now it makes me feel nostalgic for that and I just I've watched that show so many times and I think Rachel Bilson is so funny yes and it's just a cute show but it's not I don't know why it's not like a critically acclaimed show but I love Heart of Dixie. It's so
0: funny because uh, a friend of mine had introduced it to me Mm -hmm. like I don't know I think it was like around the time Amos was born and I was just like you know with a newborn, and Lily was off being crazy. And my friend was like, You should watch this show on Netflix. And I binged it. And I was like, This is such a good show. Like, why have I never she's watched so it? She's so cute and
1: she's so funny in it. She has great comedic timing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love it.
0: That's awesome. I did not. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So I, you are not alone in that. Um, what books are you reading right now? Any you've read recently? Because I know for a lot of writers, you mm-hmm. don't read while you're writing. But mm-hmm. now that you're sort of. Done. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you reading anything right now? Yeah.
1: So, well, there's one book that just came out that I just, that I endorsed by Aaliyah joy called glorious weakness. Mm. And I love Aaliyah and I, it, it was just a really beautiful book. And it's one of those that it's not a, you know, the topic isn't flashy or anything. I'm sure that she probably had to wrestle with her publishers just to, to make, to have a book called glorious weakness, but it it was one of those that just stayed with me mm. like it it was really beautiful and it opened my eyes to some things that i hadn't thought of before And yeah, it just was was great. And I, I think it's important. And Aaliyah is Asian American. So she's a woman of color. And I think it's so important to elevate the voices of women of color as Mm -hmm. well. And so I was just really honored to do that. Mm -hmm. So that was one. And then uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, I think is the title. Have you heard of that book? No. Um, Yeah, my husband and I have been going through that just so that we can be emotionally healthy while yeah. we lead a church plant. Yeah, it's, which is not like lot. known for producing emotionally healthy people, and so <laughs> uh, that's that's one that I highly, highly recommend that's as well. Awesome.
0: Okay, well, I'm gonna have to check. I've I've had um, Aaliyah's book on my list, okay. so I will. Yeah,
1: there were some things in it that really I was like, oh. But in a good way. Yeah.
0: So, all right. I'm definitely checking it out. Um, Okay. And then my last question is what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? And for you, your business is ministry and writing. Mm -hmm. And so, what does it mean to you to, to do that? So
1: I am really big on boundaries. Mm-hmm. Boundaries are really important to me. I am very aware, and, and this is wisdom that we have been given again and again with church planting as well, is that if you are not healthy, your church will not be healthy. Mm-hmm. And so I I, I don't really use the word self-care as much as I do Sabbath. Just having rhythms of Sabbath so that I am stewarding my soul yeah. is really, really important. And one of the the built-in boundaries for me is my kids. Mm. Just they are so young that I say no to a lot so that I can be present with them and so that I'm not gone all the time. And, you know, this is not – it plays out differently for everyone. But for me personally right now, that means I try not to be gone more than once a month. Yeah, And I – yeah, it's just a natural boundary for me. And that means that I'm not going to be doing as much as I could be doing in this season of my life. But – I, I don't, I'm not driven by a sense of scarcity that I have to do it all right now. Like I, I know that my time with my kids, once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. And I really take that seriously. But, but also I know, and this is something I talk about in the second half of the book, but we, we tend to think that more is better But we see in nature that that is not the case with farmers and peach trees. I didn't know this, but they do they practice something. It's a form of pruning called thinning where they thin the branches so that their trees actually produce less fruit. Mm. And the reason they do is that a tree has a finite amount of resources that it can give to its fruit. And so if it bears a ton of fruit, it, it could have a lot of fruit, but the fruit won't be very good because there, it only has so many nutrients. So the fruit mm. will be smaller. It'll probably not taste as good. And so they produce less fruit so that they can produce better fruit. And I think we're like that. You yeah. know, I want to be producing less fruit, but better fruit. Yeah. And that means just saying no to a lot of things. Oh,
0: That's so good. I love that. Oh, man. It was
1: really freeing for me when I learned that. <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot about. I use it kind of an agrarian metaphor. Yeah, I learned a lot about trees for this book, and I. It's ironic because I cannot keep a plant alive. <laughs> I cannot keep a plant alive. I have one plant that was given to me by Jess Connolly. A number of months ago, and I've made it my personal mission to, to keep it alive. Keep the plant alive. I was like, I will keep this plant alive. It's my my single like mission in life right now. But I just don't. I so, you know, <laughs> I had to really educate myself for this, book. because it was like not coming from anything instinctive no, inside of so me. No, that's so good.
0: Oh, that's so good. Well, I'm so excited for you, and I'm so grateful for you coming on the show today. And thank you so much well, for just for inviting me. Yes, this is so fun, and um, I just really appreciate you sharing your heart. Uh, with the listeners and just the way that you encourage me and then a way that I know that you encourage so many other people. So thank you, friend. Love you. I told you Sharon is amazing. Now, I'd love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned or challenged you. Let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget that hashtag, Business with Purpose Podcast. Also, check out and shop the Seiko Designs Fall Collection at SeikoDesigns.com slash Molly Stillman. That's S S E K O slash Molly Stillman. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Thank you for your support. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe button so you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, take a moment to leave a review. Leaving a review actually helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show was edited by my incredible husband and executive producer, John Stillman, with support from Kelly Dalton, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Go do something good with purpose on purpose.